This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 49, The Santa Catarina Flyers. Santa Catarina is a town like any other in eastern Mexico, long holding the distinction of nothing more than a pass-through. To assume that the settlement holds any special characteristics would be a generous assumption. Generous and true. Because just below the surface of this unassuming town's history lies one of the most bizarre encounters ever reported. An encounter that left a town questioning the nature of reality. An encounter found in the richly detailed official reports of several equally unassuming policemen who experienced this phenomenon firsthand. Men so unlucky as to come in direct contact with the Santa Catarina Flyers. On an unseasonably steamy evening in September of 2004, a suspicious activity call came into the modest police station in Santa Catarina. The concerned citizen on the other end kept things vague. Um, you need to get out here. Something weird is going on at the graveyard. Officer Gerardo Carjaval was immediately dispatched to the location. It had been a long, slow day. Excited for a little action of any kind, he jumped into his patrol car and raced to the scene. About a mile from the graveyard, dispatch contacted him with more information. In a panic tone uncharacteristic of the department operator, the details of the report came in. Carvajal. The, the eyewitness claims that they spotted a couple of people in the air out there, uh, flying. They called them witches. The word instantly put him on edge. This call was going to be one of two things. Either he was being sent on a wild goose chase, or things were about to get wild. Either way, this would not be the situation that he had been expecting. The odds that there were a handful of youths to corral seemed longer and longer. Officer Carvajal was not particularly superstitious, but he had been raised to respect the power of the unknown. And if this caller could be believed, and something shaped like a person was floating in the sky above the local graveyard, this situation fit the bill pretty well. He pulled up to the entrance to the small cemetery, stepped out of his patrol car, and approached the wrought iron gates. A heavy chain weaved through the bars of each gate, met in the middle, linked by a thick steel padlock. As the groundskeeper could not be reached, he opted to hop the fence to the right of the entrance and took off on foot to inspect the ostensibly vacant grounds. The deep red sun had nearly sunk below the horizon line, and while its red hue cast an unsettling light on the already eerie environment, he was thankful that any light remained. Regardless, he instinctively reached for the flashlight in his breast pocket and was relieved to find it there. He told himself that he could be in and out quickly enough to avoid any nighttime graveyard searches, but this piece of kit was standard for a reason. After a few minutes of weaving through elaborate tombstones and conspicuously colored crypts, the feeling of unease began to rise in him. He was not normally one for neuroses, but something about the task before him made him more than uncomfortable. This was genuine anxiety. It wasn't until he raised his left hand to rest it on the butt of his standard-issue pistol that he noticed the sweat forming in his palms. Just a little spooked, that's all, he told himself, and proceeded to assess the situation. Nothing untoward stood out, 
but he couldn't stop the growing feeling that danger lurked within every graveyard shadow that he passed. This feeling peaked as his noticeably short breath and cold sweat convinced him to stop for a moment. In an attempt to put the imagery surrounding him out of mind for precious few seconds, he looked up into the deepening evening sky. This attempt at a moment's peace would be fruitless, as after only a few moments of surveying the sky above him, he finally spotted the inspiration for the call. Two dark figures, hovering lightly in the sky, about a hundred feet above him. Despite his visual confirmation of the concerned citizen's report, Gerardo's first instinct was to write this off as a trick of the eye. He squinted hard, shook his head, and squinted again. No details could be discerned, but they were definitely humanoid in shape. They looked like people. When the double-take didn't remove this visage from before him, he let out an unintentional gasp. Could this be real? Two things became very clear to him very quickly. He couldn't move at all. He felt like he had been flash-frozen in place. And whatever they were, they knew he was there. In fact, despite being so far away that he couldn't make out any details... He knew, somewhere deep within him, that they were looking at him. Icy sweat now began to drip from his earlobes and fingertips, as his entire body filled with dread. Just as he thought he was feeling as much anxiety as his body could possibly handle, the figures began slowly and gracefully descending toward him. In the face of this decidedly dangerous development, he found himself fumbling. While his hands mindlessly searched his own uniform for his radio or flashlight or gun, whatever might help him, his eyes were locked on the beings that were slowly coming into focus. Black and gray variegated skin, with sparse fur or feathers, covered their bizarre bodies. Their long, gangly arms ended in a cluster of spindly talons. A terrified scream escaped him as he finally located his radio. Adrenaline finally broke the freeze in his muscles as he spun on his heel and yelled into it. I need backup now, right now. The slap of his shoes on the brick path below him was drowned out almost entirely by the pounding of his heart in his ears. Whatever the hell that was, he knew that he had to get away from it as quickly as possible. He could feel their gaze on his back as the front gate came into view and it wasn't long before the sound of approaching sirens offered the first real relief that he had felt since arriving in this godforsaken place. And he thanked God when his aching legs allowed him to hop back over the fence with surprising grace. He spun around to find the two beings rising swiftly into the sky. The report of a fellow patrolman, the first to arrive in response to his call for backup, would describe two dimly visible figures floating up, away from the graveyard as he approached the scene. This encounter alone is cause for question, but it would soon be in the company of an event that would transcend Officer Kavarhal's brush with these hovering horrors. Just four months later, in January of 2005, Officer Leonardo Santiago was on his nightly patrol in nearby Monterey. Nearing 11 p.m., the streets were almost entirely deserted. He was slowly cruising down a residential street when just ahead of him, silhouetted by the streetlights, a nondescript small dark form came falling toward the ground about three blocks ahead of his position. Startled by the unexpected anomaly, he increased speed and headed toward where he believed it had fallen. As he approached the shape, His headlights flooded the street and set the stage for what would be the most terrifying encounter of his life. He screamed in surprise as the entity began to take shape before him. It hovered just two feet above the ground, and he stared in shocked amazement as it began to unfold its body in a series of strangely rigid jerking motions. Within moments, he was looking at what appeared to be a drawn-out human form, vaguely female in feature. The otherworldly entity appeared to be trapped in the headlights. It stood expressionless as Officer Santiago's trained eye noted every detail that it could. Mottled black and gray skin, dark patches of something between fur and feathers, impossibly thin limbs, 
But what soon drew the officer's gaze was the impossibly black sockets where eyes should have been. He was quickly transfixed by these seemingly bottomless voids in the creature's face, and they sat there in position for what the officer would later describe as an eternity. Without warning, an otherworldly shriek ripped through the night, and the gangly ghoul launched itself toward the patrol car. It collided with the vehicle with a sickening crunch, the percussion lurching the Ford backward. Santiago's chest tightened, his eyes narrowed. He refused to take his eyes off the creature as his sweat-slicked palm fumbled with the gear shift, searching for reverse. The beast slammed both its fists down on the hood once, and again, and again. Every crash against the hood sent a new rush of adrenaline through the awestruck officer's body. Finally, he found reverse and slammed his foot down on the gas. The beast seemed to be glued to the hood as the patrol car shot backward. In an attempt to throw the would-be attacker from his vehicle, Santiago initiated a reverse 180, slamming on the brakes and jerking the wheel to spin the car completely around, but to no avail. The hyper-aggressive aberration let out another gut-wrenching shriek and slammed its clawed fists into the hood once again. Giving up on escape, Santiago began fumbling with the release on his holster, daring for just a moment to look down. When his eyes leveled on the monstrosity a split second later, it had made its way up the hood and onto the windshield, its gaping maw mere inches from his face as it screamed so loud that the now cowering cop believed that his ears would bleed. Thoughts of drawing his weapon escaped him entirely, as a true and absolute panic overtook him. The cabin of the cruiser began to jolt violently back and forth as the creature slammed each fist in repeated succession left and right, left and right, left and right into the tempered glass that was Santiago's last line of defense. His head collided with the steering wheel, and in a daze, he stupidly wondered if this was an earthquake. One more hard jolt to the left, and his head slammed into the doorframe, and darkness took him. Next thing he knew, he could hear sirens in the distance. Light slowly faded back into his field of vision, and he realized that someone was speaking to him. What the hell happened here? The stern-faced first responder blurted out. I don't... I don't know. It... It tried to kill me. Memories of what had preceded his little nap flooded back into his mind, and he sat bolt upright. Where is it? Where's the, 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 the thing? He begged. The responding officer soon calmed him, ensuring him that there was no attacker, no danger present. As they walked him around the car, he could see the damage made by his aerial assailant. The car was covered in large, crumpled dents and deep gashes from the grill to the roof. The windshield was so smashed in that he could not have been more than a moment from making it into the vehicle's cabin. In the days that followed, Santiago would recount his experience in the humble suburb to his superiors. He was met with reactions that ranged from skeptical and critical to a deep concern for his mental health. Unsatisfied with his account, his captain ordered him to undergo a full range of physiological and psychological testing. It was obvious to those assessing him that, aside from the understandable trauma, he was free of impairments both mental and physical. When a scattering of reports came in from the Monterey area over the next few weeks that described bizarre humanoid figures moving through the skies, he was unceremoniously reinstated. Flying humanoids, both winged and not, have been reported by people for centuries. So the question here is not whether they exist or not. The fact is that the existence of these creatures is a legitimate part of life for many, many people. The question here is simply, what are they? Are these visiting extraterrestrials? Some unknown species that has silently cohabitated our planet for centuries? Are they ultra-terrestrial entities sliding through the veil between our dimension and another? Or could this simply be some archetype built into the human experience? Regardless of their true nature, 
It is undoubted that these sightings go hand in hand with a terror previously unknown to their witnesses. And yet another reason why we should always keep one eye on the sky. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I am Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. Alright, and quickly before we start on the debrief, just to give a quick shout out to a few new patrons that we have on our Patreon. We do have Esteban that is now supporting us. Thank you, Esteban. Yes, thank you very much, along with Mike Casey. Yeah, Mike is a very cool guy. He's um, Squatch Mike on on all the socials. And like he, I've met him through Clubhouse mostly and, and Instagram, so... He's he's been listening for a while. Go and yeah, check out uh, check out any of his stuff or follow him just to just to show support. You know, it's it's very important that we all show support for each other here for sure. Absolutely. And another new patron, welcome to the Campfire Club to Daniel Thorndike, who is he hosts a podcast called Blue Room Insight, which is very cool. They cover a lot of really weird stuff which is right up our alley yes go ahead and check it out and finally jeremiah at bigfoot society which is one of our you know closest podcast buds um yeah welcome to patreon go and uh go and check him out as always he's been on a fireside chat as well yeah yeah definitely so yeah check out check out all these people thank you for supporting us thank you so much guys uh, you are the reason we are able to continue doing this. Absolutely. I mean, podcasting isn't cheap, right? Yeah. I mean, let's be real. No, that's without a doubt, man. Just to give a, you know everybody a quick heads up, we're currently swapping to new hosts as far as our website. You know, we're putting out new content, not only on the show weekly with two episodes, but we're also doing multiple episodes for our patrons over on Patreon. Yep. Again, patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling if you haven't checked it out. Absolutely. All right. You ready to get into this? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, so just first, uh, you know, firstly, before we get into it, this episode reminds me a lot of the Van Meter Visitor episode. Um, yeah. It just, it just with these flying things. Obviously, it's not, uh, you know, a... F- pterodactyl or whatever we want to chalk up yeah. bad meter to um these are weird superheroes basically yeah basically i imagine just these like black and gray you know <laughs> super men flying about yeah. it is weird it's like and we'll get into some of the the smaller sightings that were actually kind of bigger sightings because a lot of these were filmed especially the ones over Mexico. People, like, filmed the sightings, and a couple of the videos went, like, legitimately viral. Awesome. um, A few years ago. So we'll at least be posting, like, screenshots from those videos. I don't know if we'll be posting any, like, full videos that were were out there, but, um, yeah, there are some visuals. I know that a lot of this started with, like, the the early 2000s. Do we have any reports of it before then as well? I mean, most of the older stuff goes back to the, like, um, the, like, supernatural culture associated with Mexico and South America. There are a lot of, like, stories of, like, witches. Right. Like, Mexican witches that were, like, capable of flight, basically. Um yeah, and that predates even like our modern, you know, concept of the like Halloween witch. You know what I right. mean? It, like, no, no broomstick yeah. needed. No, none. But <laughs> a lot of these, like a lot of these videos, are bizarre because it really does. It like feels like you're watching like a a college film about a superhero because right. it, like it's just a person shaped thing floating in the sky. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, I mean, that was the immediate vibes that I was getting was, all right, this seems just like a superhero story. Or um, there was there was a movie a few years back about these guys that developed these powers after touching this, like, essentially this egg that crash landed right from space. This, like, alien right. egg and developed these different powers, essentially became superheroes. 
you know, superhuman yeah. strength and the ability to fly and all these other things. I mean, we can talk alien for sure. Because, of course, anything that floats down from the sky, someone's going to say alien, right? I mean, why not, though? Yeah. A lot of a lot of people, myself included, in the past have argued that craft might actually be biological. That they might actually... What you're seeing when you see a UFO might actually be the alien entity itself. Exactly. And it could also, you know, could be something that is more of a... Uh... Kind of like a protectant layer or sure. some form some of, some kind armor of armor or, or something yeah. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Some exoskeleton. Yeah. It. I mean, and these, these could definitely be aliens. These, I mean, they're weird looking enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of like, course. Of course. Yeah. The like weird mottled skin, this like. Something between fur and feathers in patches on them. I was going to say, you know, again, that could be some form of uh, failsafe or something like that. Armor-wise, that is used in any type of, you know, possible crash or something like that. Sure. They also could be, like, um, survivors of a crash or something that, like, you know, with, like, the black and gray mottled skin and stuff. I mean, it could be, like, burnt. You know what I mean? It could have been like covered more thoroughly covered in whatever the fur feathers were before, and it's like they're seeing it post, you know, full body burn from being in a spaceship crash. You know what I mean? I didn't quite consider that uh, throughout the story or listening or anything, but yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. That that's possible. There was a, a weird report that went along with the second story of the officer that officer Santiago that encountered this being um then it like attacked him in his car um, and when he had saw it he had basically seen it from like up ahead and almost like saw it like falling down and crashing to the ground right well he thought that it had hit the ground right. but when he got yeah. to it he found it like it hovering, hovering a couple over feet like above. two feet right yeah yeah um but there was a a report. A guy was contacted and they basically informed the person informed him that they were uh, a white witch okay. who had been hired to by a family to basically to get rid of or to you know dispel work done by by a not so white witch. <laughs> I don't know. What do you call a mean witch? So when we're talking in terms of like Wizard of Oz. <laughs> sure. You know, we have this a wicked a, witch, right? Right. Right. Wicked. Black um, witch as opposed to a white or a witch. black witch. I don't know. As opposed to white. Yeah. Dark sure. witch. I don't know. Whatever. She had been hired to dispel the work of this dark witch who had, you know, been lobbing attacks at this family, I guess. Okay. And she reportedly did this, cast this spell on this dark witch on that same night. And so some people think that this entity, this creature that attacked this policeman was this dark witch in like a weakened state. Okay. Hmm. So that's what got me thinking of that. Whatever it is, it may have been in like a a weakened state, right? Which like, yeah. which may like, which may explain how the policeman survived the encounter, right? With whatever it was, whether it was a witch or an extraterrestrial or whatever, right? If it was in a weakened state, then maybe you know that's how he managed to survive. How it didn't quite do the job. Yeah, and I know, like, even even going back into, like, the description and things like that, we have, like, black and gray, feathers or fur, and then essentially blackened eye sockets where you would expect their eyes to go, right? Yeah. It wasn't stated that there were actual eyes or anything like that, but more nope. so just, like, empty holes where they should be. Yeah. That's the actual quote that he gave was black sockets with no eyelids 
And you had also mentioned that they had almost talons, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got. I, it was a nice excuse for me to use my favorite adjective for fingers, which is spindly. Okay, that's fair. It had like super long talon fingers. Yeah, but in the in that like South American and Mexican witch culture that I think they call them brujas. Um, they. I mean, we're talking the same type of the same type of characters you get from like Navajo right. legends with like skinwalkers, where this is basically like a shaman. Yeah, it's like a possible shape changer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's another another possibility is maybe if that's what this was, it was like mid transformation when when he yeah. came upon it right yeah i mean that's very well possible. starting to look sort mm-hmm. of human and yeah and that's why they they have that almost human form at that point yeah these like almost i i almost saw them as like this like tall like big big bird-esque type of thing but yeah. like dark and evil you know in a sense like almost like it's you yeah. know like evil cousin or something yeah, like if Big Bird was redesigned by Tim right, Burton. Yeah, oh, exactly. There we go. That's a good example for yeah. sure. Um, you know, like just like visually wise, like that's that's how I that's how I pictured it. Yeah, definitely. It's I don't know the witch culture. I honestly, I wish I'd done more like research on that part of it because it, the little bit that I did was super interesting. Okay. Like there, it's very deep. Like. It's some deep right. lore going on down there. And like right up there with like the shaman cultures with indigenous peoples all over, you know, all over the world. They all have a lot of them have like shaman legends. I mean, being in, in Mexico already, like they, they have a lot of like, you know, a lot of focus on death and things like that and celebrating death and in all these like different yeah. ceremonies and things like that that they do have that are different in a lot of cultures. Um, yeah. And I mean, even areas where, you know, they celebrate like a body that's died for like a week and, you know, different things like that as an example. So, you know, it'd definitely yeah. be easy to to say like, yeah, this could be something that's possible witchcraft. Um, something yeah. that's magical to an extent that maybe this is maybe that like that that point that like limbo state um, of existence basically where this person or this form has started to move on and this is like maybe that almost like I wouldn't I, I don't want to say specifically like celebratory state but like this like state where like you know, depending on their religion, depending on what they believed, or if it was more of like a witch, you know, like that route or whatever else. Sure. Could possibly be, again, that like that possible thing in between the life of the living and the life of the deceased, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think Latin cultures in general have a much more open and healthier relationship with mortality and dark the dark aspects I, of life. I and, agree with that for sure. Yeah. And mm-hmm. with the supernatural, it's much yeah. more accepted. It's a it's a much more mainstreamed part of their culture. Yeah, to have like you know open relationships with with you know with the dead, basically. Right. I mean, there's there's areas where if you don't celebrate that that past life or whatever else, like this person or whatever this being is not able to extend beyond that point. Exactly. Move forward, yeah, yep. Like you said, I, I feel like they're they're more heightened in that sense, um, and that's yeah. I think that's like a takeaway that you know we can literally like be able to help you know maybe maybe move with other cultures and things like that to adopt something similar. Yeah, I think I think it's a much healthier way to go through life. Exactly right. I mean, if you look at it more and more of a positive aspect, it takes away that like that negative tone that death sets. Yeah. I mean, when, when you honestly believe that, you know, death is just a transition, right? From one, from one state of being to another, as, you know, as 
they do, it's 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 easier to right. celebrate that transition, right? Um, especially with the rise of like material, you know, material atheism. It's it's hard to look at it like, you know, if you're someone who believes the end is the end, that death is, you know, that death is the end, then it's it's much harder to celebrate that that moment. Literally, it's not just like that idea of religion or anything. It's more so like that idea of existence. Being able to exist yeah. beyond something greater, you know, and and again not just where you're going yeah absolutely and you know not to say that there aren't atheists who have a healthy relationship with mortality because there there certainly are a lot of a lot of atheists you know they celebrate the the fact that when you pass your you know you become one with the earth again right yeah you know and that's you know even if so even if you have a more material view of reality you can you can still have that healthier you know that healthier relationship with death so which one freaked you out more honestly i would have to say santiago's story um yeah yeah i think that one that one was the that's the one where he sees it like off in the distance like fall down like comes to and this thing is just like literally hovering and i think like yeah, that to me would be way more terrifying. And it unfolds and that, itself, right? Exactly. Just the idea of it, just like yeah. And and I see this more so. It's like it's like molting into this, like whatever you know, like it set this weird, just creepy, yeah. creepy, like you know, just I guess scene and everything. Yes, he definitely had. I mean, he definitely had a more like visceral experience yeah. with it. But what what freaked me out about. Carvajal. Carvajal's? His experience in the graveyard. Yes. <laughs> Carnival. <laughs> what freaked me out... <laughs> what, what freaked me out about his experience was just the dread that he felt just being in its pre- in but their see, presence. The, the problem that you know, I had like, with that was that he was already freaked out by being in a cemetery. Yeah, he was a little. I mean, the thing is... You can see that as he was nervous about just being in a cemetery or he could already feel he just, just didn't that realize dread, that because right. they were a hundred feet up in the air above him. They you could assume that they saw him coming. Then they watched him the whole time he was searching the the cemetery, you know, also just dispatch telling him they were witches. You know, obviously he came he comes from a, you know, he was raised like I mentioned he was raised right. to respect yeah. all that, True. all that culture. So, like, I think that freaked him out. And the first before he even pulled up at the cemetery, he was a little freaked out. I get that. I definitely get that. And I mean, you know, it, that would be that would be terrifying, especially everything else that's going on. Like, trying to piece all that together. Yeah, for sure, for sure, it would be. But like yeah. at the same time, like when I think of like a cemetery, I think this is like one of the most peaceful areas. That there are, really. You know, I mean, this is yeah. where these people are resting beyond this point or whatever else. Like, you know, I, I, I think it's something that, and now I'm getting off on, on this additional tangent of, you know, like, you know, people that are terrified and scared of cemeteries. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't understand that because, you know, and, and maybe it's just, maybe they're not like thinking about it, you know, the proper way possibly. But, like, again, just thinking about that as, you know, especially within these, like, you know, these cultures and celebrating the dead and beyond that point and everything. You know, it's not something to be, to fear. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless, you know, we're dealing with something extremely paranormal and, you know, obviously in this case, we're dealing with something, something, something crazy, right? Yeah. See, because he comes from that culture that celebrates these places... That's why, to me, it seemed like that fear, that anxiety that he felt, had more to do with the fact that he was being watched. Okay. Than the fact that he was in the yeah. cemetery, right? Because I don't, I don't feel like someone raised in that tradition would be uneasy just being in a cemetery. You know. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's what I was thinking too. 
I mean, I've I've never been bothered by cemeteries. I I grew up dating goth girls, so cemeteries <laughs> were basically just like hookup right. spots. That's, <laughs> that's a little bit different, I think, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I I really liked his story though too. I liked especially I especially liked that he saw two yeah. of them. That it was like a pair of flying humanoids, which is even weirder. True, true, because, I mean, one, you can kind of chalk it up to, like, maybe that's the only one in existence, possibly. Like, you know. Right. Or maybe it's, like, even maybe it's just, like, a, you know, a trick of the eye. Maybe you're misidentifying, like, a group of balloons or something. You know what I mean? Or like, just a large bird with but the, two, you know, the perfect light of the moon yeah. and everything else, like, makes it look like this, whatever. Right. Yeah. But two of them side by side and like moving and floating in tandem toward you and like yeah, that's weird. True. That's like off the charts yeah. weird. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think that especially seeing two would be it it would definitely raise more concern. Now obviously the other we have this like knocking on this car, I mean moving from side to side like you know, like this that yeah. whole thing it's that straight right, up attack. You know, that he dealt with like face to face almost like you know like first hand like contact with I don't know I felt like that was a bit yeah. more significant yeah definitely definitely it's I mean it definitely a more visceral right, experience sure. yeah. right like plus there's the physical evidence of his car mm. being all smashed up afterwards and there's I mean unless know. like he you know suffered some something and went out there and caused it on his own and then thought that he saw this. Right. Some psychotic yeah. break. Some fugue state. Maybe, you know, he yeah. happened to sip on the wrong tea and thought he saw a bunch of things he right. didn't. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe someone dosed him with LSD. <laughs> that would be rough, man. <laughs> Look, man, it happens. Uh, it happens. I, I hope. Yeah, I, I, I hope that never happens to me. Because that would like yeah, I I don't know I I now I'm just thinking about that whole experience like I'm at how would you like how would you be able to describe like to be honest I was having a great day, uh last thing I remember and I was yeah. sipping tea with Tom and Tom and Linda and well the next thing I'm seeing you know these uh weird kind of flying things and yeah. And I woke up with my car smashed. I don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened. I thought it was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would have to be a blend of like LSD and PCP for him to like <laughs> smash holes in his in his car hood. <laughs> Who knows? That's not a normal right, thing. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I honestly I can't say, but I'm sure like the specific combination of multiple things, I'm sure she could probably cause some pretty strange hallucinations and behavior yeah Yeah. okay so from like from like the year 2000 to like 2008 9 there were a ton of reports of of flying humanoids over eastern mexico like I just picked a few because they're literally described as large birds but more human Okay. No, right, human cool. in shape. Like several of these are have like video That's awesome. evidence. I think I, yeah, I, I mentioned know you had, before, you had but like we're gonna some of them like went yeah. viral as well and Yeah. So Yeah. Let's get into some of these. So Amato Marquez in February of two thousand in Cuernavaca, Mexico. So he was out in the evening and just out for a walk and he noticed a dark shape bobbing through the sky. He like zoomed in the video so he could get a better look at it and he saw that it was a humanoid figure just cruising along through the air in like a horizontal position with its legs outstretched. Like literal like Superman like flying he was like planking yeah, there we through go. the sky. Perfect. That gives me a yeah. good good visual of <laughs> what's yeah. going on here. 
It's literally like the superhero flight pose. Yeah, of course. All right. Yeah. Then later that year, in 2000, Salvador Guerrero. I'm just going to read this this section that describes what happened. Okay. The whole bizarre phenomenon goes back to the year 2000, okay. right? When Salvador Guerrero saw something strange over the Mexican town of Colonia Agricola in March of that year. So this was, yeah, just a month after the first one. Um, Guerrero had actually been out on a rooftop that evening for the purpose of sky watching for UFOs. But what he ended up seeing that night was perhaps every bit as weird, if not weirder. As he gazed out over the darkening sky, his attention was drawn to something very odd out there floating about, which seemed to be neither bird, plane, nor a typical UFO. And he used his video camera to zoom in on the anomalous object. Upon zooming in, it became very evident that it was not a typical unidentified object, as it seemed to be, in fact, a humanoid figure inexplicably, inexplicably hovering in the air. There were no wings, no parachute, no obvious means of propulsion, or way this mysterious individual could have possibly been keeping himself aloft. Yet there he was suspended in midair, reportedly spinning slowly while holding his arms outstretched. As Guerrero stared in awe, the figure began to move off until it was out of sight behind a building, its origin and destination unknown. The whole enigmatic thing was dutifully captured on video, and has proven to be an often debated and controversial piece of footage. So are any of these things wearing like a cape or a cowl? No. Okay. No capes. But this one is like almost in like Christ pose with its arms outstretched and its feet together. And it's just spinning. Like rotating yeah. around in the sky. <laughs> yeah. I like how you refer to Christ pose as an action. Yeah. That's that's, that's what I've that's always fair, called yeah. that. I don't know I don't know what that yoga like, pose is, is actually isn't called. That more but of I've like always just called a T pose. Christ pose. Yeah, basically. Christ pose. It, yeah, it's the the lowercase T pose. Oh, uh, alright. Alright. Yeah. That was that really reminds me of my older brother back in the day. Because he was like a mall goth kid with like the right, Marilyn Manson t shirts yeah. and all that, right? And he used to just to piss my mom off, he would like we would be driving around town and he was probably sixteen, seventeen, and he would say and he did this all the time. He would go, There's another building with a lowercase T on top of it. What the hell is that? <laughs> With, without making people upset, you know. Yeah, there's was, was a lot of things like that growing up. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. Okay, so, third. Alright, yep. We have another Gerardo. This Gerardo, this is Gerardo Venezuela. Not Gerardo Coveralls? No. Not Gerardo Carnival. <laughs> um... Later that year in July, there was another report in which the witness Gerardo Venezuela filmed a tall, dark humanoid object descend from the sky and disappear behind a hill in a valley near the active volcano in a place called, I'm going to give it a try, Tepotzlan. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> I think that was a little, that was a little too Eastern European <laughs> in inflection. That's probably very wrong. Tepotzlan. Yep. But, that, that's the one. Yeah. Tepotzlan. I don't know. In the Mexican state of Morales. I got that one. Um, the strange flying man was filmed, and again, the video's been picked apart and debated. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post screenshots cool. for all of these. I was going to say, because you said um, this one is near like an active volcano, right? Yeah. Yeah, it like floated down. It's actually between two volcanoes, like where it floated down. Ah, all right. So Sweet. Yeah. The fourth one is super interesting. It's um, a pair of airline pilots who had an encounter while they were flying. Like commercial airline? While they were like, in the plane. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. So in October of 2001, there was a sighting made by an airline pilot and co-pilot while preparing to land in Mexico City. 
The figure was described as a, quote, little flying man wearing what appeared to be a backpack and who matched the altitude and speed of the aircraft for some time before flying off. This is a notable sighting in that these were trained pilots who would have been familiar with aerial phenomena and not prone to making up wild tales. So maybe they were flying just perfectly with the wind. Enough... I don't want to say propulsion, but enough, like, force that allows them to almost, like, keep up with this plane. Possibly. Yeah. And they have a parachute on. Could be. I mean, it could be But imagine, though... (laughs) You're like flying this plane just out there, like not expecting anything, and all of a sudden, like yeah, and then there's just a flies dude. across like your windshield. You're like, was that Tommy? Isn't that our neighbor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to be like parachuting in, you know, in an airliner's flight path. Right. That seems really dangerous. And I wonder how um, like how high up they were at that point, because I mean. I mean, they were preparing to land, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I've been I've been playing a lot of like flight simulator lately. <laughs> After oh, we yeah. talked about it pretty recently, I've actually been Good. getting into it because I'm like I'm trying to like you know, just I, I have few few more flights coming up, and I'm trying to like get myself out of this like funk, right? Uh, in that yeah. fear of flying and how much I hate flying. So like, uh, what better way to do it than to fly, right? Um, and to learn how to fly just in case anything happens. Dude, I love that game. I've put, I've put so many hours in that game. It's absurd. Right. Yeah. So I'm not sure at what point they were in landing. Okay. In the, in the article, it said they were preparing to land. So I don't know if they had started their descent yet or not, but you know what this one reminds me of is Jetpack Man. That, have you heard of that? I don't know. I I don't think so. So in 2018 and 2019, uh-huh. in around LAX in California, there were like a dozen or so sightings of what they called Jetpack Man, which was literally it looked like a dude with a jetpack. It was okay. just like floating around the city. And it was very odd. No one knew what it was. I mean, they assumed a jetpack, but it really just looked like a backpack, like they described. Right. Um, I think. I mean that that could be exactly it. Yeah. I think they ultimately decided that it was this um, giant Jack Skellington balloon that had been like floating around the city, and people had been reported seeing it. Okay. It was like a big, like decorative, like full, like life-size Jack Skellington balloon. I feel like that's more of like a cop out, though. Yeah, I know that's like a swamp gas story, right? Right. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Now I now I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this because I'm, I'm actually pretty yeah. curious. That's that's awesome. All right. Um, now I have a super weird one for you to okay. finish up. Sweet. This is, Sweet. This is the last it. one I have. This one has become known as the Entity Reunion in the Sky. Okay. I'm... Yeah. All right. All right. I'm 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 prepared, I think. <laughs> I don't know if you are, to be completely honest. All right. I, I expect this to be pretty wooey. Yeah, it's very weird. And this is... Um, this comes from um, Brent Swanser who writes for Mysterious Universe. It comes Ah, straight from one of his articles. And, you know, he's he's a fantastic reporter. I I frequent. Yeah. I frequent their articles all the time. (laughs) Go read everything that dude writes, because it's brilliant. Um, All right. A particularly bizarre report that seems to deviate from the typical report yet seems as if it it may be connected, occurred on February 14th, 2004. When an Ana Luisa Seed and and two others witnessed a decidedly unearthly sight above Mexico City. They saw in the sky a rather strange object that at first looked to be some sort of mechanical vibrating machine. So like a mechanical bowl that, uh, you guess. (laughs) All right. Under which dangled what looked like a large black humanoid shape. 
the whole of which seemed to be hovering in the same position. To make matters more bizarre, a smaller object was allegedly seen to drift up from below to merge with the larger figure, which after it detached from the upper structure and revealed itself to be what appeared to be some sort of humanoid wearing a cape or cloak. There's your cape. While the thing above it now in fact looked like a living winged beast of some kind. It is then reported that the smaller object broke off from the cloaked creature to fly off, after which the cloaked one reattached to the winged monster, and the whole surreal thing just took off out of sight. <laughs> okay. Um, so it was a little in there to, like, provide some fuel? I don't know. You maybe just it was like them a, up? Yeah, maybe, maybe, dude. <laughs> this is super weird, though. There's like a... There's like a weird mechanical block that's like vibrating. It's like right. visibly vibrating in the sky. And from the bottom is dangling. It looks that's like a th- person is hanging from the bottom of it. That's what I thought you said. So that's yeah. why I was really curious. And then how this morphed into yeah. this like flying thing. Unless this is like some like weird, you know, uh, either transformer or. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. I'm going to break it down for you, okay? All right, all right. So, there's... I wish they gave a shape of the mechanical object. That's what I'm curious of, because I, I keep just seeing a mechanical bull floating in the okay. sky. I don't think it was that. Like, okay. when I think, like, if they're assuming it's mechanical, I'm guessing it's fairly geometric in shape. Yeah. Right? Like, probably a square, a cube, maybe, is what I'm seeing. Okay. Like... So imagine just like a vibrating cube in the sky with a person hanging from the bottom of it. Then a smaller object floats up and seemingly attaches to the person. And when that happens, the cube transforms into a winged beast. Okay. Then the I'm smaller along, but I don't. Yeah. I... Yeah. Then the winged beast flies away, disconnects from the person. The person is now wearing a cape. <laughs> and then the cape, the, the person in the cape reattaches to the winged monster. And they both fly off together. So, like, did they, like, did they merge their rings and turn into one, one <laughs> thing? And then that person also kind of broke off? That's probably like, it. Like... <sighs> I don't know, man. I just know it's super weird. And I, I'm assuming it was all seen in silhouette. Right. You know, from a yeah. distance. So hard to hard to know details, but okay. I loved that one because it's just so fucking weird. Yeah, and I mean, especially in silhouette, rather, you're not going to see distinct... Uh, yeah. Like, distinct, like, you know, different features and things like that. So... Yeah, I could see this looking like this, maybe this thing behind this cloud or whatever. And yeah. that turns into this like flappy winged thing, whatever. Sure. I mean, I guess <laughs> I'm still going to see this as a flying cow. You don't have to make room for this story inside your logical brain. <laughs> it It can't exist there. But I want it to, though. It's okay to acknowledge how batshit crazy this story is. Because it really is. But I still see this little thing as, like, you know, giving some fuel to this guy. Like, alright, she's ready to go. I feel like it floated up, and then it it would have supplied the propulsion needed for him to stay in the sky. So that's when the thing lets go of him. You know what I mean? Or that's when he lets go of it. And once it transforms, then they come back together and fly off together. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe this is a love story. That's cute. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I like to turn most things into love stories, so why not? Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) I don't know, but regardless, winged humanoids, super weird. And like, there's, dude, there are so many reports from Mexico in this time period. That's crazy. I was blown away That's by super that. super crazy. Yeah. Or maybe this was I, Jetpack Man. 
Dude, it could have been. They could have all been Jetpack Man. Right, exactly. Exactly. Or they could have all been Jack Skellington balloons. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah, true. True, true. Like, at least, like, some, like, person-shaped balloon full of helium that's just floating off into the sky. Sure. It doesn't explain the one that was hovering roughly about two feet off the ground or attacked the car. Exactly. Or car. But still. (laughs) (laughs) What was your note? (laughs) So my my note in reference to that was... Hang on, I'm going back to it. Beast kept being mean to car. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Shades of shades of lizard man. True. Yeah. They had a problem with cars. Uh regardless, but still, yeah. No, I mean it's just it's really weird. Uh as we talk about a lot of these, and obviously we talk about creatures, whether them being like these weird like cryptid creatures or something, you know, something like that. Something that's not normal to our day day to day, right? But when we talk about, like, flying humans, maybe it's possible, man. I mean, for people to fly? Possibly. Who knows? I've gotten to the point where, like, I I find myself, I, I can't dismiss anything. And I know, like, it's, it's you know, obviously, there's a lot of bullshit. You know, a lot of things sure. are, like, we're going to talk about, like, yeah, the whatever. Like, come on. But also, I, I look at it like, man, like, some of these things I buy into so so hard and like what what's the difference in that versus like something else that's just extremely out of the ordinary sure yeah I mean we haven't even considered the fact that maybe this is well I guess you touched on it a little bit but the idea of this being a paranormal phenomenon right or this being an alien right something like that exactly because these flying humanoids could definitely be apparitions. They they very well could be. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, especially, I mean, you know, because yeah, especially seeing like these almost full bodied figures. Yeah, you know that are ascended at that point. Whatever. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to say what's going on, but still, could be apparitions. I mean, if they were right. If these same figures were seen in, like, the window of a creepy old house, you'd say, that's That's a a ghost. ghost. Exactly. Yeah. So, who's to say, right? Yeah. They could definitely be paranormal. I agree. I agree. Or they could be alien, alien life forms, like we talked about before. Maybe this is a possible, like, you know, when when we discuss UFOs being an extension of being, like, biological and things like that. Maybe that's what it is, you know? That's yeah. possible. Yeah, it and could that's, be. that's why, like I said, I can't really just dismiss a lot of these, a lot of these things. Just because and, it sounds weird. Right. Of course, I mean, that's not what we do here. <laughs> exactly. So, we talk about weird shit every week. Like, we don't dismiss it. We consider all the options, yeah. right? So... It could definitely be extraterrestrial. It could be paranormal. These could be, you know, future sailors. They could be, like, you know, time travelers. Yeah, see, I like that one. Yeah. They could be... Or these could literally be just somebody that built a jetpack in their garage and then's out flying about. That's another thing. They could be, like, these, you know, home engineers testing out these, like, this random gear, right? Yeah, I mean, it, shoot, man. If I if I built a jetpack, I'm not just going to not use it or try it out. <laughs> right? Like, man, that's Don't cool to jet. <laughs> yeah. Never trust a jetpack engineer who won't fly his own jetpack. Exactly. Right. So, right. Yeah. so I mean, it, this could be so many different... There's so many different possibilities here, for sure. Yeah. What attracted me to it was how, how many sightings there were. Yeah, I, I'm it's like I'm I'm impressed by it. I mean, even just the ones that you told stories on, and not only that, but there being so many within this specific time period for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot, man. And like, 
It has to be something for that many, like, I would think for so. that many sightings to occur in the same general area for, I mean, it was like eight or nine years that these sightings seem to have come in like multiple sightings a week right. were I happening mean, if in it Mexico. Were, if it were all the same time period, we could chalk it up to mass hysteria, you know, to sure. a degree, right? Obviously. Yeah. A la like Phoenix Lights. Right. Right. Like that type of situation where a lot of people are seeing the same thing. But these are like scattered yeah. incidents. I mean, this is what, like a 10, 10 year basically yeah. like, like time eight, frame eight or whatever. Years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. It has to be something. It has to be like something out there, you know, that maybe easily, like, you know, if we, if we, New, I guess, could could kind of pinpoint a little bit more. You yeah, know, could be somebody out there on their own chat pack. Could be an apparition. Could be an alien. Could be these weird, possibly undiscovered type of cryptids that are out there. Possibly, uh, yeah. could be shapeshifters. Um, you know, like yeah. As, is there so many different possibilities that this you know could explain this? So yeah, that's, I, I don't know. It's really cool, though. It's really cool. I mean, I, I've always wanted to develop the ability to be able to fly, because then I wouldn't have to get on a plane ever again. <laughs> you mean like learn how to fly a plane? No, or just like, learn how to fly myself, or like pick your superpower. Yeah, type like, flying. Well, man, if I had, if I could pick my own superpower, I mean, you already picked. It's flying. You're stuck. But I, it'd have to be a you mix can't have a different one. That no. maybe invisibility and mind control. You, you can't have those. <laughs> I already, you already did. I just chose my other ones. <laughs> you already picked flying. But I could have a combination. I don't think you can. I think that's cheating. Uh, okay, then I take back flying. Teleportation. Okay, that's definitely that sounds easier than flying for sure. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> that's. Flying plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, that's fine. Honestly, who the fuck would pick flying if they could pick teleportation? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, like, I just want to see you really the need to... I mean, yeah, what? That's what I was going to say. Teleport yeah. on top of, like, the Grand Canyon or, you know, the Eiffel Tower. Like, some random thing, you know? You can see the sights. Sure. Flying is literally only good for sightseeing. Exactly. That's it. I can teleport onto a plane if I want to. Like, shoot. It's a... Yeah. It's a tourist superpower exactly no thanks yeah i think teleportation <laughs> invisibility would be cool though and my I control think, would be pretty stellar i think because of the rules you have flying that's what you pick i don't want flying though you should have thought about that before you chose <laughs> Damn it, it. <laughs> well if i knew that that's just, this is going to turn into you then i would have chose teleportation at least yeah you know which one I'm picking? What's that? Teleportation. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Uh, well, all right. See you next week after you fly there. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. To wrap this up. I'm... I what okay so what I found really refreshing about yeah. this was you always hear about like winged humanoids right Mothman of course even like um, Van Meter a lot like so that's of what the, it reminded me a lot of Van Meter at first right yeah because some of the sightings do describe the Van Meter visitor as being almost humanoid right yeah um, that's why we, we almost we compared to it to it. a possible like upgraded Mothman at one point yeah yeah I mean it. It sort of looks like, um, I don't know. You always see it now depicted as like a, a pterodon or a right. pterosaur. Of course. Right. Yep. But like some of the, some of the original sightings do, but anyway, you see, you hear about these winged humanoids all the time. And I was intrigued by this, these stories where there's no explanation for how they're up there. Yeah. You know? Like, there are no wings. There's no propulsion. Well, we know what their superpower claim was. Yeah, they picked the wrong one. <laughs> I'll be out there flying with them next week. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. 
I'm gonna get a clear video of it. <laughs> Touche. And that concludes episode 49, the Santa Catarina Flyers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes. We're just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram the brilliant mind behind the gorgeous music that you hear each week behind the debrief. So go find him at reverentmusic.bandcamp.com or you can visit his Spotify page by searching Reverent, R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T. All of these links can be found in the episode description. Go and support him. You both deserve it. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers... Stay weird and trust in the unknown.